Radical, episode 175. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. It's going to be an audio-only show, but thank you guys for tuning in. Um, there's The reason for audio is I'm, I'm doing some construction here, uh, changing the studio a little bit, and uh, trying to get it ready for for the big time you know uh when when the internet is fast and streaming and uploads are good um i'm gonna I'm, I'll, I'll probably do a couple shows where videos on but uh during the holidays uh this is kind of what i'm gonna be pushing towards is uh getting this thing up and uh much more uh professional looking but uh thank you guys for tuning in if you want to go out and support the show uh you can go to patreon.com slash radicalpod and uh, be a patron for as low as a buck. And I appreciate all those that have. Uh, if you want to support the show uh, through the algorithms and all that, share it. Share everything and go out there and give me a five-star review on Apple. I'll read it here. And I appreciate everybody that does that. It, uh, it Honestly, it lifts me up and, uh, and it just tells me what I'm doing right. So thank you guys for all doing that as well. Um, and if you got anything to bring to my attention, you can go to or you can send me an email. Email at Shane at Radical Pod or uh, find any of the links that you might want or heard about at uh, radicalpod.com. So it's early on Thursday morning, uh, watching some of the news coming in and, and seeing what's going on. And um, we're going to we're going to talk about the economy. We're going to talk a little bit about maybe some solutions today. Um, there's a lot going on right now with um, the the Senate and the House and the debt ceiling. Right now, the, the I guess the Senate came together last night and um, basically said that you know we're going to do some things to push through a I don't know kind of a fast tracked debt limit ceiling uh, increase. Right, like they're they're they want to roughly raise this thing by over two trillion dollars. Um, what's provoking this? Obviously, um, the U S is running out of money faster than it can even print, uh, money. It is, is running out of money. Um, on Tuesday, the U S house of representatives passed legislation by a vote, uh, 222 to 212 that kicks off the multi-step process to lift the nation's debt limit, uh, with a simple majority, um, which is not common, should the bill pass uh, in the U.S. Senate. Uh, Politico reports that the Senate could start voting as soon as Thursday. According to the Associated Press, this bill outlines an agreement between both major parties, bipartisan, hint, hint, you're getting screwed, um, by both parties, to put a provision that fast-tracks the debt limit process into an unrelated Medicare bill and... Should that bill become law, it will open the process for the Senate to raise the debt ceiling through subsequent legislation with a Democrat-only majority vote. So usually in, in the Senate, you have to have, I think, 60-plus votes, and this would just be a simple majority. So a little over 50. So you're welcome, Republicans, um, you know, for for this. You, like, you should have owned no part of this. Had, and here's the thing is, Shane, if, if we wouldn't have lost the Senate in Georgia, we wouldn't be doing this. Well, the thing is, is the Republicans are caving on this. Uh, Senate Majority Leader uh, Chuck Schumer and Minority uh, Leader Mitch McConnell, Democrat and Republican respectively, both had urged their respective parties on Tuesday to pass it. Uh, and McConnell said at least 10 Republicans would support the measure. 
So you're like you're looking at the Republicans in their controlled opposition state do what they do. Like these guys lose all the time, and it's because of people like Mitch McConnell, right? Uh, this deal has been negotiated with the Speaker of the House um, already, and uh, they're trying to circumvent, circumvent the uh, the filibuster. So let's let's go into um, there's a there's an article by the Washington Examiner um, about the ten Republicans that are going to help the Democrats raise the debt limit. And this is why I don't need to hear. And warning, warning, warning. Um, if you got little ears around, if you're new to the show, welcome and all that fun stuff. I swear a lot, especially when I get, um, I don't know, kind of worked up about how the American people are absolutely, absolutely getting fucked by these bureaucrats and politicians that, you know, claim to, to be different. They're not. They're not fucking different. They're all the goddamn same. Um, this is by Rachel Bavard. It was uh, written uh, late. Uh, I'm sorry, um, early yesterday. Um, it is, yeah, early yesterday. Uh, the Senate GOP would like no part in raising the, the debt ceiling, the federal borrowing limit uh, that must be raised by roughly $2 trillion to keep the country out of default. That's right. We're getting close to default on our debt again. That is... If you believe their rhetoric, their actions, however, say otherwise. I told you it every time it's said every time they say something, it's always look at what they're doing. I don't care if they say it in front of the cameras. I don't care if they say it to you in a press conference. I don't care if they say it to you on a podcast. I don't care if they say it to you while they're running around injured district campaigning. What they say and what they do couldn't be more diametrically opposed they're full of shit each and every one of them it's crazy to me that people still believe the left-right narrative it's nonsense the article goes on this week while insisting they are doing no such thing senate gop leaders are in fact aggressively contouring themselves to make sure that the debt ceiling is once again raised and they're going to absurd lengths, including cracking at the foundation of the legislative filibuster to obfuscate, I hate this word, I hate trying to obfuscate their role in making this happen. Yeah, like, here's the thing is, they're not, like, these guys have no spines. It, it hurts them not at all to bend over backwards for the Democrats to give them everything that they want. They don't like the Republicans aren't about fiscal responsibility. They're not about, you know, keeping spending at a, I don't know, a healthy rate. Like, that's not who these guys are. They haven't been these guys for a long time. According to reports, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Minority Leader Mitch McConnell have agreed to a classic, albeit cavern, uniparty scheme, right? At least she's using uniparty. As part of the larger bill to stave off scheduled cuts to Medicare spending, the House and Senate will agree to a provision that sets up a special one-time, yeah, just one-time, filibuster exempt, 51-vote resolution to raise the debt ceiling. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, had the Republicans won Georgia, Loeffler, or Purdue, especially 
would have been one of the 10 that's going to help him out. A 20% constitutional voting record, and this guy's going to run for Georgia governor. It's incredible. Yeah, the Republicans have got a chance to win. Well, this is what you're going to win. You're going to win some, I don't know, jellyfish, some nutless wonder out there that you would cave on something like this. To put it more specifically, at least 10 Republicans will vote with Democrats to provide the 60 votes necessary to pass the Medicare legislation, which provides for a privileged resolution that circumvents the filibuster and allows Democrats to raise the debt ceiling with just 51 votes. You would think that something so important would be, you know, talked about, filibustered by the Republicans, especially when they're not in power. They're not going to do it. In the twisted world of D.C. politics, this allows McConnell and the Senate GOP to claim they are technically keeping their pledge not to raise the debt ceiling after they vote for the bill, creating the opportunity for Democrats to do it for them. What's more, the legislation allows the Democrats to raise the debt ceiling to whatever amount they choose, literally. The bill provides a blank space for the number to be filled in. I'm going to say it again. The bill provides a blank space for the number that they're going to raise the goddamn debt ceiling by. What if they just put an infinity sign? Why not just put an infinity sign at this point? They don't give a shit. They're never, ever, ever, you know, like the debt's never going to be under control. Do you ever see these people in D.C. spending less money? No. And here's the thing is, if they understood economics... They would know that they can't. They absolutely can't spend less to keep this Keynesian nightmare afloat. Oh man, I'm sorry right now. I'm I'm reading through the Bitcoin standard right now and the history lessons that are in here. Did you guys know that John Maynard Keynes was a pedophile? Honestly. Never ever had a job. Um came from wealth, lived off of his family's money and travel around Europe and I think parts of the Middle East going to underage brothels. Um, and he was, he's a goddamn pedophile. Like, this is the system we're using. This is the economist that, you know, um, the, the people in the FDR administration chose to be like, oh yeah, man, this sounds good. Coming from this guy who's never had a job, never had a business, lived off of his off of his family's money his parents wealth and uh went around molesting kids i mean jesus christ you want to talk about a perverted place presumably they could insert the oh here and she says it right here presumably they could insert the infinity symbol here and republicans would still be happily and go happily and tee it up for them as a yes vote this is incredible it's also cynical and the entire in, in the entire gambit relies on the GOP base being fooled. But don't be. The real vote, that is, the vote that allows the debt ceiling to be raised is not for the resolution that actually does it, but for the Medicare bill that makes it possible. That is, the vote that matters is for the bill that at least 10 GOP senators will vote for, claiming it doesn't raise the debt ceiling when it actually provides the means to do just that. And if you think this is a one-time one-time thing, you know what they're going to do? They're going to establish precedent. 
This is going to establish precedent. Look, look what we did back in 2021. We established precedent. Good thing this uh, DC cabal, this murder cult is going to fucking fail anyway. Like, they're done. This just shows you the clown show that this the collapse can't be stopped. They can't stop what's coming. And they don't care to stop what's coming. But there's another element to this that makes the whole exercise absurd. In agreeing to this construct, McConnell, joined by Missouri Senator Roy Blunt and Texas Senator John Croyne, both of whom have gone on record endorsing the approach, are conceding to something Democrats have been arguing all year, that the legislative filibuster can, in fact, be cracked. I told you, it's cracked. It's done. There's no more filibuster. One time, nonsense. One time, one time, one time. How many times have we heard one time out of D.C.? Democrats, many of whom support upending the legislative filibuster entirely, have also argued that, at the very least, the filibuster should have special 51-vote exceptions for certain, quote, worthy pieces of legislation, such as massive election meddling bills. The Senate GOP, which has flatly rejected these calls, is now on record agreeing to the premise for issues with uniparty support. The process for a special one-time statutory carve-out of the filibuster can now be willed into existence. Oh man, this government's so amazing. So awesome. Just look at it. Look at how amazing America in, in D.C. is. We need to dissolve D.C. I think D.C. is going to dissolve itself. I mean, things like this, you're, I think you're about to see Bitcoin absolutely take a moonshot because of this kind of nonsense. This is ridiculous. They're literally going to take a blank and put it out for these guys to fill in. They don't even care what the amount is they're going to raise the debt ceiling by. Incredible. This is, this is very different from the 51-vote procedures that already exist in statutes such as the budget reconcilia- reconciliation process we've been hearing so much about lately. Reconciliation rules allow narrowly tailored legislation subject to a host of restrictions to pass the Senate at 51 votes, but only after the chamber has passed a budget and gone through a grueling unlimited amendment process known as Voterama. For a time, Senate Republicans demanded Democrats use reconciliation procedures to pass debt ceilings, a strategy they would stick to if they were serious about making Democrats go it alone. But in establishing a one-off exception for the debt ceiling, McConnell will not only have made it far easier for the debt ceiling to be raised with Republican support, but he will also have given Democrats a political preferential precedent precedent to demand similar filibuster carve-outs in the future. And not just Democrats, Republicans. Democrats and Republicans will now use this, guaranteed. This is not a one-time deal for either party. This is, you know, this is the the DC murder cult screwing the people over and over and over again. For climate change, gun control, amnesty, take your pick. That's what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to go through this for all of these things. It doesn't mean we're going to go along with it. 
It doesn't mean they're going to get your guns. It doesn't mean that they're going to get everything they want. And what's going to happen, and this is what I've been telling you, is states and communities, counties and cities are going to start saying, no, not here. Not here. This is not happening. And as those type of things happen, the the decentralization process happens naturally you're going to be better off. You're going to be freer. You're going to, it'll be more like what you were told America was supposed to be. As DC becomes less and less relevant, as their, uh, as their money, their dollars that are worthless fade from existence. At some point, people aren't going to take them. At some point, people are going to say, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not accepting those dollars. They're, they're worth nothing. It's natural. It happens over and over and over and again in history. Keep raising the debt ceiling, guys. Great. Yeah. You know what? We could be mad about this. We're going to be like, yo, no, go ahead. Raise it. Get rid of it. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's speed this collapse. Let's tear off the goddamn Band-Aid. I don't, I, I'm tired of this, guys. Like, I'm, I'm done. I think most people are done. And the best way through this pain is to let them fiat themselves out of existence. Go right ahead. It's going to happen and they can't stop it. The last little bit of the article says, all of this, remember, is simply to create the illusion that the Senate Republicans are opposed to raising the debt ceiling to cloak their true motivation behind layers of Senate procedure they deem too complicated for you to understand. But the reality is the same as it's always been. Both Republican and Democratic establishments want the debt ceiling to be raised, but because this is Washington and no one has the guts to vote for what they actually support, they have to twist themselves into pretzel-like shapes to hide the fact from voters craven and cynical which makes it oh so classical washington i think this is a great article um rachel uh, bovard and uh she's uh over at the washington examiner maybe go give her a follow and uh and and support her uh, because i'll tell you what this is um fantastic article i'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there on the interwebs for people to see while this is happening while we're getting ready for a possible ceiling increase into infinity which let's just face it whether they put infinity on the line or they don't does it really matter does it really matter if they put it on there i mean seriously can minds can't even fathom 29 trillion dollars they can't all right so we are we are like by december 15th if something isn't done we default the best thing we could do. Are they going to let it happen? They're probably not. Now, couple that with what's going on in China right now. If you guys aren't paying attention to what's going on in China, along you know, about a month ago, they were talking about uh, Evergrande. It's the largest developer in China. Um, they've been talking about this since the summer, honestly. Uh, but Evergrande, the largest. I don't know, property-based building developing company 
in China has defaulted. I want you to think back to 2007, 2008 in the United States. The housing bubble default. This is huge. Hardly anybody is talking about it. The five of Evergrande's largest beholders, right? Bondholders, I should say, are the Ashmore Group, BlackRock, FIL Limited, UBS, and Alliance. All right, so what we're talking about is an implosion of some of the largest banking institutions, largest lenders in the entire world. What happens when that happens? When when money goes to shit in a country. Right now they've suspended trading on Evergrande. They like they have they, they've kind of insulated it for a time. But what happens when banks aren't loaning their fiat currencies anymore and a economy where by, by their own um, ideas has to be spending? If you have a, 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 an economy, a Keynesian economy that believes wealth comes from spending and debt, and they're not loaning money out to debt so that people can spend, what happens? Stagnation. While pumping the money supply at the same time, inflation. Oh, man. I'm telling you right now, this is huge news. I don't see a lot of people talking about it. I see um, CNN's talking about it. I think CBS has done a little bit of it, but in terms of Fox News, not there. In terms of MSNBC, not on their front page. Just like the Gislaine Maxwell stuff. If it's huge news that affects the banks, the murder cult in general, they're not talking about this kind of stuff. This is a moment where I would tell you, get out of the dollar. Get out of the dollar. Not only, I mean, I think it's over nineteen billion dollars that they're um, they're they're defaulting on. One point two billion of that is foreign bonds. I mean, are you kidding me? This uh, this is going to absolutely shock the world. This is, I mean. I, I don't know how to tell you more and more and more. The dollar with the debt ceiling coupled with, you know, may, possibly infinite debt ceiling raises. They're going to eat. Do you know how fast? Listen, in the, since 2020, we've accumulated 40% of the U.S. debt in all 244 years. In one year alone, over 40% of it. And that's just beginning. Great old quote out there in terms of, you know, economic collapse and, you know, how did you go broke slowly at first? And then all of a sudden, like, this is where we're at. It's we're at all of a sudden. They're going to blow through a debt ceiling unless they make it infinite and then they'll just 
then they're going to continue to inflate and then we'll get to hyperinflation where the dollar is absolutely worthless. I mean, seriously, we've got 2% buying power now on it. 2% since 1914. That's what your dollar buys compared to what it used to buy. They've inflated your savings. They've inflated what you make on a daily basis damn near to nothing. And now China and their largest developers are going to default. Oh, this is the time. Like, get ready. I hope you've got some things. I hope you've got some things stored. I hope you know who your sheriff is. I hope you know who your mayors are. I hope you know who are the the cops. I hope you know anybody and everybody around you that can help you through what's about to what I think is about to happen. When we talked about pulling off the band aid or putting on a band aid in two thousand eight two thousand nine, as Austrians that the next time it's going to hurt even more. Here's the thing is they had some move. They, they, I should say they had some room to move on interest rates in 2008, 2009 to come down. That's why you see interest rates at an all time low. That's what they have to do in a Keynesian economy. They have to lower interest rates over time because they have to get people to spend. They have to pe- get people to go into debt. If they can't do that, then their economy fails. Their economy also fails when they inflate a dollar because of the spending. When people no longer trust it, it's done. And here's the key to all this. If you understand money, if you understand economics, we have not, this, the American economy, by definition, is not a capitalist economy. And it hasn't been for a long, long, long time, over 100 years. An economy based in spending is not, by definition, a capitalist economy. What you've got is this weird bastardization Keynesian nonsense. If we were actually storing wealth, if we had, you know, high time preferentials, or I should say low time preferentials versus high time preferentials, immediate gratification. In other words, if we weren't all about immediate gratification in our economy, if we were about saving, which most America is not, most America lives paycheck to paycheck to paycheck in massive amounts of debt. If we were actually saving, if we were actually, you know, putting off until, I don't know, later on to see the, the, the fruits of our hard work come to fruition, that would be a capitalist economy. That would be an Austrian economy where money is hard, immutable, saleable, where it is decentralized. 
That is not what we have. It's not what we've had for a long, long, long time. This is why these people have gotten away with the perversion that they have. There's a, um, there's a little bit, let's see, 28 minutes, I got plenty of time to do this. Why not? Let's do it. There are rules by Saul Alinsky to, you know, put together a social estate. So maybe we should talk about not only what they are, but really kind of use them as an idea of what not to do and how to overcome socialism. A lot of times people reference 1984 uh, from the, the, you know, the, the left as a, a way to come in and take over and do what they need to do. It's like 1984 is a, uh, is a tyrant's, you know, dream and people's nightmare. So Saul Alinsky said, you know, there are eight levels to control that must be obtained before you are able to create a social state. He says the first is the most important, healthcare. Control healthcare and you control the people. Yeah, well, where do you think they're at right now? Like scaring people into healthcare. I'm going to tell you right now. This is easily debunked. Ask vets about state-run healthcare, about government-run healthcare, about murder cult-run healthcare. I'm going to I'm going to tell you right now. You don't want it. Vets understand probably better than anybody. And I'm going to tell you, the VA is such a corrupt, awful, terrible system that veterans on a very regular basis take their lives at the VA. You imagine as your final message walking up to the place that's supposed to through contract, provide you with health care for mental, physical type wounds that you received while you were quote unquote in service through contract. You're less than 1% of the population and they don't give a fuck about you. You are a liability and veterans know it. They shove, they spend, they literally Spend billions and billions and billions of dollars every year for pills for things like post-traumatic stress when there has been study after study after study showing that psychedelics can treat post-traumatic stress and they're naturally occurring and they're non-addictive. But no, 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 no. Nope. No, we can't have these guys recovering. We can't have these guys going out on trips in guided trips with people who have been there and done it to recover from post-traumatic stress. No, we've lost over 20,000. 20,000 vets have committed suicide because they can't handle what's going on in their lives because they're upset because they're so despaired that they have no hope in this world forever living a good life again. 
You want government health care? Ask a vet. 20,000 of them have killed themselves. A lot of them have killed themselves on the VA steps, inside the VA, in the VA parking lots where they've blown their brains out to send the final message about how goddamn abysmal government health care is. They don't give a fuck about you. They never have. They never will. So the answer is to decentralize health care. It's to get the government out of healthcare completely. It is therefore what I'll be pushing here in Georgia. Complete decentralization of healthcare, of insurance, and everything else related to it. The government has no place in this. Two, poverty. Increase the poverty level as high as possible. Poor people are easier to control and will not fight back if you are providing everything for them to live. Wow. Look at what's happened. Well, not only over the past year, but the past hundred years. They have, they have increased the welfare state on purpose. They have wrecked the economy on purpose. This is economic warfare. I've told you this. Kill small businesses, kill businesses, force people out of business, create poor people. Look at the divide between rich and poor. In 2020, who got bailed out? Not the poor, not the middle class. It was banks. It was the biggest banks. It was the biggest corporations. They had phenomenal years last year. And obviously, Government didn't take a haircut. Fuck no. In 2020, they ramped up 40% of the debt, like I was saying earlier. They're not taking haircuts. No, not by any means at all. It, it boggles my mind when the, the, the socialists, I don't know, sheep, that are out there go along with this kind of stuff that don't understand economics. When you create welfare and can print money out of thin air, you destroy families, you destroy community because those people now rely on government instead of each other. It destroys relationships. It destroys goodwill towards each other. They have done this for I don't know, since 1913. And the more control they have over their, your lives, if they give you money to eat, a, a money, they give you money to, to put a roof over your head, they own you. And you will do anything for them. It's incredible. So what do we do? Obviously, we, we move to charity. Welfare does not work from the state. Charity from private people, private groups, and your local communities will work far better, especially if you're not paying over 50% in taxes to a government. I don't care what level it is. If you had half of your earnings back every year 
if you, had, if you get to keep 100%, finding room for charity would be pretty easy. Debt. Number three, increase the debt to unsustainable levels. Oh, we're there. We just talked about that. That way, you were able to increase taxes, and this will produce more poverty. I mean, this is incredible. So what do you want to do? Get rid of taxes altogether, right? Because taxes does produce poverty. When there are leeches, parasites, taking money through force and coercion from the government for their own lives without contributing anything to society. It's waste. It is absolute bureaucratic nonsense and waste. So what do you do? You don't run a Keynesian society. You don't run a child molesting, you know, grifter of his parents type society. You run an Austrian-based, savings-based capitalist type society where people flourish because they're free because they they have, they they go out and they pursue their passions and their skill sets and over thousands and thousands and thousands of hours master it specialize in it and in turn give something to the market that is rare and valuable and lifts the human condition. Number four, gun control. Remove people's ability to defend themselves from the government. That way, you are able to create a police state. Well, look around, America. Thank God for guns. Thank God we are armed to the teeth. I think that is the only thing that has saved us. Um, as, as a governor candidate, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care if you get 50 caliber brownings in the from Amazon. I'm good with that. Here's the thing is people will be like, you think you, you should have a 50 caliber machine gun or a nuke? Look, man, the market figures this kind of shit out. You have the money for a 50 caliber gun. You have a, a browning 50 caliber. I don't know. I don't know. Probably, I don't know, 20 to $40,000 weapon. Do you have the skill set to run that weapon? Do you know about headspace and timing? Do you know how much each round for a 50 caliber cost? Do you have the mount for such a thing? Can you, can you put a mount on something and use it? Because I guarantee you, carrying that thing around is super heavy. The people who do have the money for these things, most of them don't have the skill set. And those people that do have the money and the skill set for these things, guess what they don't do? They don't go around blowing away people with 50 cows. You know how I know? Because there's tons of them in the United States already. Dudes with 50 caliber browning machine guns all over the United States. People are like, no way. I'm like, yeah, man. Go to some go to some gun events, man, where you know people have fully automatic weapons and they're shooting them on ranges together in line. That's the only place you're ever going to see these things unless the government gets real wacky. The market has already figured this shit out. Naturally. Without any politicians, without any bureaucrats, without any taxes, without any of that crap at all. 
the police state, when it comes to an armed populace, can only go so far. Number five, welfare. Take control of every aspect of their lives, food, housing, and income. I've already said it. It's kind of like um, poverty, right? They need to create poverty. And to do that, you can create welfare because some people will just take welfare. It's an easier life form because then they don't have to put out any type of, um, I don't know, real effort in the world. Their time preference is high. They need that immediate return of gratification. I was telling my kids about this last night when we were putting up a, uh, a deer hanger. And we were talking about the marshmallow experiment where, you know, a scientist said, hey, kid, or a bunch of kids actually, gave them all a marshmallow, put them in a room. Said, if you can sit here with this marshmallow for five minutes, I'm just making this number up. If you can sit here with this marshmallow for five minutes and not eat it, I'll return in five minutes and give you an extra marshmallow. And what he was measuring was time preference. You know, kids that were into immediate gratification ate the damn marshmallow. Those that wanted to save and stock up and postpone their gratification did not eat the marshmallow. And then he tracked them throughout their lives. And he found that the the kids that didn't eat the marshmallow, that had a low time preference on things, or high time preference on things, were, were absolutely way more successful than those that ate the damn marshmallow. And uh, then we got into, you know, how that works in terms of, you know, not going out and partying, not going out uh, and wasting your time on, you know, video games, going out and creating, create, 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 and not consume, 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 consume. So they, uh, they got a, you know, a a lesson in economics and uh, diversification of skills and markets and all that fun stuff last night, just by hanging up a, a deer hanger. So that's homeschool for, for kind of what we do. Um, number six, education. I say this one all the time. Take control of what people read and listen to. Take control of what children learn in school. Think common core. End quotes. Yeah, man. Um, this is it. This is crazy. I mean, they have owned education indoctrination for a long time. Um, if you're new to the show, I talk about John Taylor Gatto a bunch. Go read everything John Taylor Gatto. And I would encourage you to go read a lot of what Connor Boyack has written. Connor Boyack is uh, coming on the show on the 22nd. I am super excited. I'm a huge, huge fan of Connor Boyack. If you don't know Connor Boyack, um, he is the author of the Tuttle Twins. He's got a great podcast. And um, he is also the author of quite a few other books. And one of them is Skip College and Avoid Debt. And it's Honestly, it's a great book. I, I think I heard a podcast with him and some other person one time uh, talking about John Taylor Gatto, and that kind of turned me into a huge Connor Boyack fan. And uh, the fact that he had written about him and spoke to him and all those things, I was just kind of blown away. So at any rate, um, yeah, education, you've got to get government out of education. You've got to get people the ability to go out um, and seek education on their own, and that's it. I mean, that's really kind of how it boils down. Is like, I think John Taylor Gatto said you need about 500 hours for basic reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's it. And then it should really kind of be a, what's this kid passionate about? 
and how do we put that information in their hands so that they can consume it, develop skills, and push at a very early age at what they want to do and fail fast. That's what we need. We need government out of education altogether, period. Seven, religion. Remove the belief in God from the government and schools. And I will say, I'm going to add to that, and instead of religion, and they're not just removing, you know, are they removing the belief in a higher power? Of course they have. But what they have done is instilled the belief of the government, of the murder cult, of the centralized banks, of the politicians, the bureaucrats, and of the giant corporations. Guarantee. So how do you do, how do you get rid of that? You call it out for what it is. You don't incentivize behavior through government regulation. You don't say there ought to be a law or there ought to be a regulation. What you say is, we're going to leave peaceful people alone. We're going to take the executive and we're only going to go after murderers, thieves, rapists, vandals, people who coerce others, who intimidate others. That's who we're going after. That's how you decentralize this whole thing. Government schools shouldn't exist at all, ever. Lastly, eight, class warfare, divide the people into wealthy and poor. This will cause more discontent and it will be easier to take tax the wealthy with the support of the poor. And that's the thing is, the, the, the rich aren't ever going to, like the richer the people who buy politicians, they're not going to pay tax. They're going to pass tax to the poor, the end consumer, not the, the producer. That's how it always has worked. That's how it always will work in a system where legislators regulate the market. It's another old saying, and I hope I don't butcher it, but it's when the legislators regulate the market or the buying and selling, the first thing that are bought and sold are the legislators. These people are, are that are owned. So class warfare, you know what happens when you actually have a capitalistic society, when you have a society based on savings? Those people tend to be more equal in terms of how much money they have. You see the giant divides that we have today. I think there's a few guys out there that control over 50% of the wealth in the world. That's incredible. You've got a few organizations like Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street that own everything. Why? Because they're closest to the banks. They're closest to these printing presses of fiat currency and paper. They control, they regulate, and they will do anything to stay rich and powerful. They're doing it now. They are absolutely doing it now in Congress, with the banks, and the corporations and everybody else. They're quiet about it. Meanwhile, they are going to absolutely annihilate every dollar in existence 
And then they're going to come out and say, hey, look, we got this new, like, I don't know, AmeriCoin or some shit. This new, I don't know, state-backed cryptocurrency. And nobody's going to want it. Get out of the dollar as fast as you can. Start preparing as fast as you can. We're in for some rocky times, I think. But herein lies the opportunity. We are in for a moment, if we're ready, and if we want to fight for it, a decentralized United States where people are more free, they have more control over what they earn, they can move to a savings-based medium of exchange in Bitcoin, or gold, or silver, I don't care. We have a moment in history that most people never see. And I, I, honestly, I think it's unprecedented given the technology at our fingertips right now. Absolutely incredible. We have giant, giant tasks to take on. It's going to take each and every one of you doing something. It's going to take each and every one of you recruiting, going out and taking action locally. And the beautiful thing is it is achievable. As one guy who's done it, as one guy who said enough is enough. And the thing is, it wasn't met with hate. It wasn't met with disdain. It was a conversation and it was met with resolution where we agreed together and we put something into action that made our community safer, freer, and better for everybody in it through decentralization, nullification, and localization. At any rate, ladies and gents, I appreciate you guys tuning in. I want you to be safe. I want you to have a great weekend. I am absolutely chomping at the bit for everything that's going on tonight. I think Robbie the Fire is down here in Atlanta. If you're down, go check it out, man. Um, he's he's really smart guy. I mean, super smart. Uh, and he's funny on top of it. So I'm going to try to make it down there. Uh, on the 15th, I have a uh, speaking engagement on the yeah, 15th in Cartersville, Georgia. Uh, it's for a good cause for uh, disabled veterans. And if you guys would like to come out to that, please do. But until then, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.